you're like most organizations. You're talking about compensation the wrong way. The good news is I'm going to tell you how to fix that by making a concept I refer to as target compensation, the cornerstone for how you talk about pay. In this episode of HR Party One, we're gonna cover the four approaches organizations take to talking about pay. What is target compensation anyway? And why you should use target comp when you talk about pay. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'm going to share a famous Winston Churchill quote that you can use with your leadership to help make this happen. So let's begin. There are four approaches organizations normally take to talking about pay. And let's start by digging into each of them. The first is silence. Many employers often prefer not to talk about pay at all. Instead, they negotiate every individual salary in a cloud of secrecy. You can identify these employers pretty easily. Their job posts won't contain pay information at all, but rather will just say something like compensation based on qualifications and experience. And this is a horrible approach. You're asking people to apply for a job without any idea what the organization has in mind to pay for it. If what the organization has in mind is a lot different from, from what the candidate has in mind, it can be a waste of time for, for everyone. Likewise, these organizations will sometimes warn current employees that talking about pay is a fireable offense. What kind of trust in the organization does that engender? Employees may suspect unfair rates or even illegal treatment without clear-cut pay guidelines. The second approach is to promise the moon. Some employers talk about amounts that might technically be possible, but are rarely ever achieved. For example, if your hiring manager is interviewing for a new sales position and says an applicant can earn up to $150,000 in a single year, the applicant's going to think that they can do that. What your hiring manager fails to mention is that only one person in the history of the company has ever earned $150,000 in that role. You may not be intentionally misleading a new hire when you promise them the moon, but when someone doesn't meet their goals or underperforms based on these promises, they tend to feel like they've been duped. And the result is, is a drop in morale and engagement, which often leads to costly turnover. The third is to undershoot. On the flip side, employers often make the reverse mistake. They inadvertently lead new hires and job applicants to believe they'll actually make less than what they net in reality. This issue most frequently occurs when employers fail to account for a role's potential for overtime and other incentive pay. A role may offer $15 an hour, but after certain sales and team incentives, a new hire could end up making something like $18 or $20 an hour. But the job post only says something like $15 an hour with an opportunity for overtime and other incentives. This is a missed opportunity. We know that better pay can attract better candidates. And companies that fail to factor in the full earning potential of a role only restrict the quality of candidates that they can find. And the fourth is ranges. These employers talk about ranges, which is a mistake because all applicants and employees assume they're gonna be at the top end of the range anyway. For example, imagine you're looking to hire a marketing supervisor. In your job posting, you list a salary range of forty-five dollars to $55,000 annually, depending on experience, qualifications, and performance. When candidates start applying, they're always going to expect the top of this range. And this wide range communicates that you don't really know exactly what you want from the role. Likewise, when you do make an offer, and it's not at the top of the range, candidates may be disappointed, or they may not accept the offer at all. If they do take the job, it can certainly start the employment relationship off on, on the wrong foot, striking the wrong tone. Now, there is a fifth way to talk about pay. It's something I mentioned that Bernie Portal calls target compensation, and it's the solution. Solution to all your problems around this. Target comp is what an organization believes in good faith 
a reasonably good performer will earn in a given role. It includes the base pay for the position as well as additional forms of compensation, including variable or incentive-based pay, such as bonuses, overtime, commissions, and more. For example, target compensation for the same marketing supervisor role we just mentioned may be listed at 55,000 on a job posting. And this could include a base salary of 53,000 with, with the realistic expectation that the candidate would earn a, another $2,000 in incentives. Target compensation for any given role is determined by three different factors. So let's walk through each of them. The first is base pay. This is best understood as the amount that the undershoot employers would list next to the vague promise of overtime and other incentives. The second is variable compensation. And variable comp includes incentive-based pay and, and differs from one type of role to the next. Uh, for sales roles, this pay typically includes commissions and, and bonuses. If your company has salespeople, you're probably already familiar with variable pay. And many of the highest performing organizations also have variable comp tied to non-gameable KPIs relevant to a team's functions. So not necessarily sales, but other results getting activities. For marketing, variable comp might be tied to lead gen or web traffic. For account managers, it might be tied to retaining existing clients or expanding contracts. And for customer service, it could be tied to cross-selling or upselling existing clients. And the third factor is overtime and seasonal workload considerations. If you hire non-exempt employees knowing they'll likely work overtime during busy seasons or busy quarters, this should be factored into their target comp. For example, a big portion of Bernie Portal's business takes place during fourth quarter. The target comp we've set for many of our non-exempt workers accounts for this end-of-year busy period when they're working a lot. When evaluating target compensation, alongside the other four approaches we just covered, I'm reminded of that Winston Churchill quote, I promised. No one pretends that democracy is perfect or all wise. Indeed, it's been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time. Target comp isn't perfect either, but there's no perfect way to talk about compensation. In other words, making target comp the cornerstone for how you talk about pay is the worst approach, except for all those other approaches that have been tried from time to time. Keep this quote in mind if your leadership criticizes the target comp approach to talking about pay. Sure, it may have its weaknesses, but it's far better than the other approaches. Let's dig into why. First, target compensation makes recruiting easier. When candidates begin their job search, they often have their own rough target comp in mind. They may not call it target comp, but, but that's what it is. If an applicant sees a salary range that's well outside of what they expect, they're likely to understand that they're either unqualified or underqualified. Our team at Bernie Portal lists target comp in our job postings, and we found this to be true. The listed rate naturally narrows the recruiting pool to candidates who are more qualified than not. One other note to consider is whether you're recruiting for hourly or salaried positions. As I mentioned earlier, Bernie Portal lists target comp as an annual amount, regardless of the type of position. You still want to indicate if the position is exempt or non-exempt, or if it's salaried or hourly. But even if the position is non-exempt, your target comp amount might include more than just the base hourly rate for the role. By clearly indicating the target compensation for the role, you'll save your hiring managers and applicants a lot of time and aggravation. In turn, this will lead to starting off on the right foot with new employees. There's no question that the target compensation approach is far better than the silence, promise the moon, undershoot, or ranges approaches when it comes to recruiting. Second, target compensation brings transparency, which helps with retention. 
Developing target compensation for each role is hard. With it, though, naturally brings a new level of transparency to your organization as employees get an understanding of what the pay is for different roles. You know they're already guessing, and those guesses may be way off. With transparency comes comfort that the organization is working hard to be fair, which, which can help with retention. Again, the other four approaches simply don't give you that. Third, target compensation can deliver a more flexible expense structure. If you succeed in building non-gameable variable compensation into the target comp for many of your roles, you can achieve a more flexible expense structure for your organization. This will help in years that don't go according to plan. If your revenue is lower than expected, the variable component of compensation should also be lower, protecting your business when it encounters difficult times. Flexibility like this might help you avoid painful layoffs in a bad year. Adopting the target compensation approach will take time. It might even take years to get done. But remember, while it isn't perfect, it's better than any other approach that has been tried. In future episodes, we'll dig even deeper into how you can get started talking about pay the right way, including how to establish target compensation for different kinds of roles. So, so be on the lookout. But for now, that's all. Don't forget to subscribe, ring the bell for the latest episodes. And like I always say, remember, your job is as strategic as you make it.